Coming up on Stu Does America, everyone you know and their dog is going to be talking about the Supreme Court story this week. So I'll bring in Newsweek's Josh Hammer to figure out what is true and what is media BS. And we'll show you the latest inflammatory embarrassment from supposed newsman Don Lemon. What did he say now? Does it matter? Well, no, but it is pretty stupid and you'll enjoy it. The battle against the evil YouTube algorithm robots wages on. Join the fight by subscribing to our channel. Just head to YouTube, search for my name, Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Uh, And don't forget to hit the little uh, bell that allows you to see all the notifications for every time that we post. Don't forget to review our podcast on iTunes, too. I like to read your appropriately rated five-star reviews at the end of the show. You guys write your own material, and you're funnier than I am anyway, so this saves me some time and energy. I love you all for it. And do you have your Blaze TV subscription yet? I sure hope so, honestly, because uh, Lord knows the rest of the media is heading straight down the drain. Go to blazetv.com slash stew to sign up. Be sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll save 10 bucks. If there was, I don't know, one issue you'd think wouldn't revolve around genital-based identity politics, it would be the Supreme Court nomination. (laughs) Well, guess what? You're wrong. Let's do the Supreme Court. Stu does America. All right. I want you to take a moment and ponder a simple fact. Are you ready? Here we go. Prepare yourself. Are you ready? All right. We are one week away from a presidential debate. One week. Like, this seems like it's going to actually happen. Now, will Joe Biden show up for the debate? It depends. He may very well be standing at a podium, but the podium might be the host stand at Cracker Barrel. So I'm not sure. But if Joe does bother to show up, a big topic of conversation will be the Supreme Court. By that time, President Trump will have made his selection known to the public. And the process seems, by all impressions, to be moving forward. After the quick exit stage left from Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, as expected, almost all other question marks have been answered, finishing with the apparent momentary return of the I'm running in a Republican primary version of Mitt Romney. Well, I think it's straightforward in terms of the qualifications you look for, which is someone who is an expert of the law, someone who has a record of fairness and judgment that you think is consistent with the law. Uh, I prefer choosing those folks who uh, are, uh, if you will, strict constructionists, meaning that they look at the law itself and the Constitution as opposed to sort of looking into the sky and pulling out ideas that they think may be more appropriate than either the law or the Constitution. So I I recognize that we... uh, uh, we may have a court which has more of a uh, conservative bent than it's had over the last uh, few decades. But my liberal friends have, over many decades, gotten very used to the idea of having a liberal court. And that's not written in the stars. Uh, and I know that a lot of people are saying, gosh, we don't want that change. I understand the energy associated with that perspective. But it's also appropriate for a nation, which is, if you will, center right, uh, to have a court which reflects uh, center-right points of view, which, again, are not changing. Strict constructionists? Constitution? Who is this guy? I mean, I recognize the hair. But where is the plea for media respect that I've known to love oh so much? Maybe that comes later when they actually vote on the nominee. We will see. For now, the nomination process goes forward with Trump reportedly giving us a name Friday or Saturday. And then, of course, the Democrats will begin accusing that nominee 
of childhood gang rape on Monday or Tuesday. So it's a pretty tight calendar. It will be interesting to see what kind of crazy BS the Democrats come up with this time uh, on this nominee. Uh, President Trump has signaled that the pick will be a woman, which I will say does decrease the chances of reusing the gang rape narrative. Uh, Oh, gosh, that was really sexist, wasn't it? (laughs) I'm accusing women of not gang raping people. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's try to guess the left's direction. Uh, where are they going to go? In our latest edition of Fraudulent Accusation Roulette. Ah, will it be choice number one? The nominee is a religious nut job who very well might be in a cult. Or will it be number two? The nominee is basically the Peloton girl from the commercial, a hostage in her own home kept in line by her terrible husband, who forces her to ride her exercise bike and stay in perfect shape while filming herself while only pausing to purge her breakfast and churn out legal opinions. Or is it the most devastating option? Choice number three. The nominee wants babies to live. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I hope it's not that last one. I mean, that is just horrible for her. Imagine having to Deal with the weight of an accusation like that. There's still a lot of unknowns in this situation, but we do seem to know one thing about the nominee. It will be a woman. Can we pause for just a second and ponder this? We all know that it's going to be a woman, but why is it going to be a woman? Sure, I know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a woman, but is that how we pick Supreme Court justices? Just like play a game of match the genitalia? I kind of thought it was supposed to be about merit. Is that too old school? Am I, is that where I am now? now look, I, it's very possible that the best available candidate is a woman. And if that's the case, great. Or actually, honestly, it's just indifferent because we're not supposed to pick Supreme Court justices based on their genitals. But is it me? Or is everyone completely given in to the left's construction of identity politics here? Aren't we supposed to be the ones pushing back against identity politics? Why would we eliminate half the population when we're looking for the best candidate? We're so deep in the world of identity politics now that even the least PC president in the history of the universe can't help himself. Listen to... This is great. Listen to what Donald Trump lists as the qualifications of Supreme Court finalist Barbara Lagoa. Well, she's excellent. She's Hispanic. She's uh, a terrific woman from everything I know. I don't know her. Uh, Florida. We love Florida. So she's got a lot of things. She does have a lot of things. You got the list? One, she's excellent. Two, she's Hispanic. Three, she's terrific. Four, she's from Florida. Hmm. The fact that she's a woman uh, is, uh, is honestly such a foregone conclusion. It's not really even mentioned there. Maybe a little bit. She's a terrific woman. I guess that works. Trump did eventually get to the point, p- fact that she's smart. But that came in fifth or sixth place in the rundown. Now, look, I understand how this game works. You want a woman, a minority, and helpfully, someone from a key swing state. It's politics. I get it. But can you at least lie to me? Can we at least feign the concept of merit for a second? 
I don't want a woman or a Hispanic or someone from Florida. What I want is a person who knows the frigging Constitution and won't be media shamed into transforming it the second CNN says they're too mean. This is an important job. And Republicans have missed on picking nominees for the Supreme Court way too many times. Usually when we miss, we miss because we're trying to package a media asset instead of finding the most competent jurist. David Souter, oh, he seems great. He's confirmable and he'll be super conservative. Don't worry about it. Oh, wait, what? Oh, uh, yeah, he was the deciding vote with a chance to overturn Roe versus Wade. And he eventually turned into one of the most liberal members of the court. You know what we need? Elect more Republicans. We'll get them next time. Oh, John Roberts. Uh, he doesn't really have any conservative looking opinions. Almost no track record at all, but he should be great. Oh, he rewrote Ob- Obamacare to save the law. You know what we need? To elect more Republicans. We'll get them next time. Point is, choosing a Supreme Court justice for any reason other than merit is pure lunacy. If that person happens to be a woman or any one of the other 4,329 genders, then great, so be it, whatever. If they're a Hispanic or white or Hispanic and white or white Hispanic, fine. Pick them because they're good, not because you like their color palette. So am I terrified? Yes! Remember when Trump was trying to convince skeptical conservatives that he would do a good job with the court. Remember those days back in 2015 and 16? He went to the Federalist Society, and they put together a list of 21 possibilities for the Supreme Court. On that list, Neil Gorsuch. Not on that list, Brett Kavanaugh. Or Amy Coney Barrett. They weren't added until a year after he got elected. Why? There were still 20 names from the original list. But even with 25 names now on the list, you know who wasn't on the list in 2017 that came out? Barbara Lagoa. She wasn't added until less than two weeks ago. Like nine days before Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. It was publicly known that RBG was in the hospital for another surgery in late July. You got to wonder whether the White House had knowledge that her health was failing and they were thinking ahead. And they should be thinking ahead. Of course, the president should know those things. They should be planning ahead for these things. But Barbara Lagoa, I mean, she's not like 14. She's 52 years old. Why wasn't she on the first list? Why wasn't she on the second list? Am I freaking out? Yes, I sure am. Because we always seem to screw this up somehow. Look, I like Gorsuch, and I'm, you know, sort of uh, on Kavanaugh, even though he was unfairly brutalized by the media. Totally backed him on that part of it. But as a Supreme Court justice, uh, the jury's out. How about that? But Trump added Kavanaugh with a few others right before his selection, uh, reportedly, so it wouldn't be obvious that that's who he was choosing next. And now we have another last-minute addition. Will the pick be Lagoa? Look, it's possible, I mean, probable even, that Lagoa and Coney Barrett will be really good. There's almost no one on, out there who could be worse than Ginsburg, who I am legally required to tell you was a delightful person. But she also hated everything this country stands for. A little too much to be a guardian of its constitution, in my opinion. I'm going to go into their history a little more with Josh Hammer in a couple of minutes. But let me outline a plan for how Republicans can handle this carefully, respect their voters and protect our Constitution. 
Step one, don't screw this up. Okay, that's the whole plan. We will be back with Josh Hammer in just a moment. Okay, you're buying a house. You're moving across the country. Maybe you're changing jobs. Maybe you're going to a new area. Maybe you want to get the heck out of, I don't know, New York or California or Michigan, one of these states where they're locking you down every 10 seconds. And you want to find a new place, but you don't know anybody there yet. How are you going to get a real estate agent? I know a lot of people will just kind of pick their friends, pick a friend of a friend, an enemy of a friend of a friend, something like that to get their real estate agent. Well, realestateagentsitrust.com gives you a better way to do this. Don't look for an ad. Don't look for a friend of a friend. Don't look for someone who's just kind of figuring this out and you want to help them out. It's too big of a deal that you're talking about the biggest financial transaction you'll probably ever deal with. I mean, a few thousand dollars here or there makes a huge difference. You know, it's not minor stuff. Uh, So what do you do with realestateagentsitrust.com? You go there. They sort through all these real estate agents for you in advance. They give you the best agent in your area. And then all of a sudden, you're the smart guy. Like you're coming into a new, uh, new area you've never been in before. You don't know anybody, yet you still have the best real estate agent. Isn't that a great thing? Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. For more information, realestateagentsitrust.com. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm joined now by Josh Hammer. He's from the First Liberty Institute, as well as the opinion editor for Newsweek. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on the program, man. Good to see you. Always good to see you, Stu. Hope all's well. Ah, you too. Uh, it's a crazy freaking time is what it is. Uh, I mean, I'd assume. Uh, am I, are you with me here that we're, we're definitely putting somebody through here? We're not going to wait and just see if Joe Biden wins so he can be really nice and name someone we'll like. <laughs> Stu, you know... I, I'm happy to see people like Cory Gardner and Mitt Romney get on board. I mean, you know, there are some, I guess, conservative pundits out there who are trying to play nice. I mean, do X and Democrats do Y. Let's remember who we're dealing with here. We are dealing with the people that tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh's life the last time that there was a judicial nomination. And Brett Kavanaugh, by the way, need I remind you know you or the viewers or whoever is listening here. Not exactly a fire-breathing Clarence Thomas conservative. I mean, you know, as our friend as our friend Daniel Horowitz said, Brett Kavanaugh was Karl Rove in a robe. So if they were willing to do that to Brett Kavanaugh, um, you know, as Lindsey Graham wrote to Senate Judiciary Committee Democrats in an internal letter last night, I, all bets are off. The rules are off. So yeah, they're gonna. It's, it looks like they're gonna go full speed ahead and ram this down their throats. And they should, right? This is the right thing to do uh, for a million different reasons. I, though, share some of, for some reason, I'm petrified right now. I have to be honest with you. This is a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity as, you know, obviously we get past the idea that any loss of human life is a tragedy. And and we, of course, mourn that. But when we come to the politics of the situation, and that's the world we, we have to live in here, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was I mean, to me, the worst justice on the Supreme Court, maybe her and Sotomayor, uh, you have uh, an opportunity to replace uh, her with someone who's an actual conservative here with really nothing in your way. Please tell me they're not going to screw this up. Stu, if I had a nickel for every time that, you know, the Republican Party has screwed up something that it seemed like they were incapable of, of, of screwing up, you know, I'd be, I'd be a very wealthy man. Yes. Um, but look, what you said is completely accurate, okay? You know, I mean, going through law school, before I get to the point I want to make, let's just say, you know, may Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's memory be a blessing. You know, when I was in law school, you read opinions from Justice Ginsburg. 
And you know, I clerk for a very conservative judge. I, I'm in a, a firm, staunch, judicial, legal conservative. But you read opinions of Justice Ginsburg, you you do realize you're you're dealing with a first-rate progressive liberal intellect. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, if I can make a brief point here, uh, Justice Stephen Breyer, not exactly the same way. I don't want to like crap on him too hard in your program, but just not the same level. Ginsburg really did stand out. So so having said that, having made that point. You know, the first two nominations that Trump made, of course, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Gorsuch was replacing Scalia's seat, no ideological change in the court. Kavanaugh replaced Anthony Kennedy. I mean, he's probably a little better than Kennedy, but it's not like it's a huge improvement. This is a chance for a monumental 20 to 30 year generation defining pick. There is no screwing this up. Like you get one shot. It is right now and you need to make the most of it. So I, I'm if I, like used to, I'm on pins and needles to see where they're going to go. I think it will be Amy Coney Barrett. That's what I'm hearing. That's my prediction. It's been my prediction all along. I haven't been dissuaded otherwise. And I think at this point, that's a very good pick. Uh, okay, that's good to hear. Because uh, let me take you back to Kavanaugh here for a second. And this has been something I've struggled with a lot. Donald Trump runs uh, for for the presidency. He has a lot of skeptical conservatives to win over in 2016. He does this thing with the with the Supreme Court list, which I think was a a strike of brilliance, a stroke of brilliance, where he goes to the Federalist Society, gets 21 uh, possibilities and pretty much everybody on there. People are at least either very excited about or generally comfortable with on the conservative side. Um, He goes through, he picks Gorsuch. That leaves 20 names on that list. For whatever reason, we've now had to update the list twice, but the 20 people are still there on the list, the the originals. We added four four people, I believe it was, the first time in 2017 after he was elected. Then you have, uh, and that was Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh. So Brett Kavanaugh becomes the next selection. And, uh, you know, if Kavanaugh was on the original list, there would have been questions about Kavanaugh and nervousness about Kavanaugh, but he wasn't on that original list. Now we have another massive expansion nine days before Justice Ginsburg dies. Nine days. And on that list, not is Amy Coney Barrett was on the second list, but Barbara Lagoa was on this third list, and she seems to be the other competitor here. With Kavanaugh, he was he was added and then they picked from the new list. Are they going to go to this new list and pick Lagoa or somebody else? So the new list was interesting. You know, full disclosure, my former boss on the Fifth Circuit, Jim Ho, was on that list. And really full disclosure, I think Jim Ho should be the nominee. But apparently we're only going with females. And to be clear, I, un- I understand that calculation. I mean, we hate identity politics, but I, I in this case, I actually genuinely do understand why they're limiting it to women. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara Lagoa, you know, she kind of she's kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, she's she's been on the on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals for four or five months. Um, she, even before that, she was on the Florida Supreme Court for a, a year or roughly. I mean, she was she spent most of her time over the past 13, 14 years as a Florida State Intermediate Court judge. Before that, she was a prosecutor. You know, I have never met uh, Judge Lagoa. I have met Judge Barrett briefly. Uh, people that I genuinely do trust, I would trust them with my legal life on the line, so to speak, uh, swear to me that Barbara Lagoa is the real deal. But I cannot personally verify that. Um, I actually think there's a decent chance, it's based on what my own research looking into her history, based on what I've heard, I think there's a decent chance, actually, that Barbara Lagoa really could end up being the best pick of this bunch. But it's just, it's too risky. It's too risky. There's too much on the line. I have some questions about Amy Barrett. Her record is not flawless. 
But I think it is the best that we have right now. And to be clear, I do think that, sh- that should be a very good justice. Um, um, I, 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 I agree with you. My, my nervousness with both Barrett and Lagoa is the short record. We seem to miss every time we try this. And I'm very nervous about it. Um, let me go back, though, to, uh, to your point about your former boss, James Ho, who I think would be a great pick. Uh, it, 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 I want to at least be lied to about it. At least tell me you're looking at everybody and you're picking the best person who happens to be a female. I can't take this. This is what Biden did with the vice president, his vice presidential role. It's what Biden is saying he's going to do with the Supreme Court. They're picking the genitals and the skin color of these guys before we even get to the place where the where the seats come up for availability. And I understand Ginsburg as an icon. I understand that it was going to be easier politically. Can you at least lie to me, though, and tell me? Because I think we're embracing and allowing this standard to be set, that identity politics is not only acceptable for the left and the far left, but it's acceptable for the right, too. So in principle, I could not agree with you more. Identity politics is completely toxic. Um, you know, the multiculturalism, intersectionality. This is it's literally destroying America. I mean, you know, I, I wrote a column back in June the title of the column was, or maybe it was July, it was called Intersectionality Versus America. Because mm. identity politics is literally a threat to the American regime. It is a threat to the American idea, e pluribus unum. It, it, it is toxic, it is terrible, and I cannot criticize it strongly enough. As a, as a political matter, I understand what the administration is trying to do here. And there's one other point as well. It's not just the politics here. Whether, whether you or I like it or not, Stu, the reality is the justice that we are nominating here, there is a chance. I'm not, I, I am a pessimist, so I'm not predicting it will happen, but there is a chance that this could be the composition of the court that might actually undo once and for all Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. I don't think that will happen, but there's at least a chance. Given what's happening in America, given the arson, the rioting, the violence, the, the, the fact that the rhetoric is up to here, that we can't even look at people in the eye anymore and see our fellow citizens, there is something to be said for that, for that opinion, if it does happen, needing serious legitimacy. And one way to get legitimacy for that opinion is to have a woman not just in the majority, but ideally writing the opinion itself. Mm. So that's that's something that I've given a lot of thought to. So I do understand both as a political matter and with that latter point, the Roe versus Wade point of mind, why they're limiting it to women. But I do agree with you. It seems like we're being literally lied to to an extent, and that's never a particularly good feeling. No. Um, let me get to the politics a little bit. You mentioned the politics. I'm fascinated by the reaction to what has happened here. Um, uh, people are going to want to burn down the Senate. They want to burn down the entire system. They're talking about riots in the street. Blue check marks openly. People on C- Don Lemon on CNN just blurting it out. He's just going to wants to burn down the whole thing. Um, this reaction is fascinating to me on a pol- on a political level because the real argument for Joe Biden is, hey, I will give you calm. I will give you some normal times. You won't have to freak out and check the Twitter every single day to see what scandal's going on. I'm the normal one. Come to me and everything will go back to the old times. How can he possibly be that candidate when everybody on his side is saying they want to light the system on fire? Yeah, I think it's a brilliant point, actually. Um, you know, I one of my roles as, news, as Newsweek opinion editor, I do these debates of the week where I try to get a point counterpoint on a given topic. Um, I, I'm trying right now, it's not executed yet, but I'm trying to basically do a debate where the debating resolution will be who is the better choice to 
you know, proverbially speaking, return to normalcy, to get back to normal. Mm. And I think a few months ago, Biden had a decently strong argument that he would do that. I never thought it was particularly compelling because, of course, you have the Bernie Sanders joint commission. Everyone knows that AOC is like whispering in his ear and all that. Kamala obviously being Kamala. So it was never that strong of an argument. But it was an argument. That argument increasingly is collapsing. He is no longer forswearing abolishing the filibuster. Joe Biden was a Senate institutionalist for decades and decades. He always defended the, the filibuster. He's no longer going to fall on that sword. He's even he's questioning that. Um, so I, I agree with you. I mean, it's not at all obvious to me who is the better candidate here if your only one criterion for voting is a proverbially return to normalcy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's very true. It's a, it's a bizarre uh, it's a bizarre tactic. Like you, you should at least try to, again, lie to us and say that you're not going to keep the system together. Um, I'm fascinated by um, uh, we, we do this, I think, every election where there's this opportunity for a candidate to kind of take on their own side do the sister soldier thing that supposedly, you know, is, is, is a big deal. I do think it gives you some credibility. If you can come out and at least say, look, this thing my side is doing is insane and we're not going to do that. How many opportunities has Biden had to do that from race riots, from Antifa uh, to uh, packing the court, creating new states, all of these things? The only one he's sort of done it on is def- defund the police, where he says he, we're not going to defund the police. But he said all these opportunities. I mean, these are softballs. Just just say the, the craziest thing you can think of. There's somebody on your side saying it. So denounce that one thing and you'd at least look good to the middle. He can't bring himself to do it. It's fascinating. The combination of packing the court plus adding D.C. and Puerto Rico, if not more, as new states, that is a republic altering move. Mm-hmm. Uh, the country barely looks like it did prior to that. And then, of course, I mean, I mean, there's abolishing the Electoral College. Abolishing the United States Senate is increasingly a talking point here. Ian yeah. Milheiser, like a blue checkmark legal progressive, talks all the time about how they, the very structure of the U.S. Senate. By the way, that's the counter-majoritarian structure that James Madison talked about in Federalist 10. It, it is, it, it, we are a country built on counter-majoritarianism. Might makes right has never, ever, ever been the American way. Um, But nonetheless, the left increasingly thinks that might makes right. And they think that might makes right, not just in politics, but also in the streets, which is why you see these blue check marks saying, let's take this fight to the streets. The rhetoric stew is up to here. And it really, really, really needs to deescalate. The problem is Republicans can't be the ones to to say deescalate because they candidly, frankly, and unambiguously are just not the ones who are making these wild threats. <laughs> the, wild, the, the threats are, are, are coming from one side only, and they're coming from the left. So it really is crazy. I mean, Joe Biden, I think he's kind of a chameleon. He's kind of always tried to cr- try and pivot himself, hover to be exactly where the median Democratic voter is. I guess the median Democratic voter has just gone so far to the left that he does not feel comfortable with with saying what you said that he should say, and I think he should say, which is kind of shout down these crazy ideas because he might risk alienating that median voter. And it's just very telling as to where the Democratic Party is. It really is. Oh, we're one week away, Josh, from the first debate. It's going to be an amazing few weeks coming up. Josh Hammer, thanks for coming on the program. Be sure to follow Josh uh, for the latest. You can find him on uh, on the Twitters. Uh, Josh underscore Hammer, is that, uh, I got that right, right? I just see your name flash by. I don't, I don't know what your handle is off the top of my head, but I do appreciate it. Josh, thanks so much, man. You got it. All right, back in a second.
until you have a group of people that decide to consistently be better than what they reject, you're going to have people in the exact position they are right now, Don, which is no matter what happens, everybody sticks to the We're going to have team. to blow up the entire system. <laughs> uh, you know, they go... That, that clip is, is an amazing one because Chris Cuomo is actually kind of teaching Don Lemon how the Constitution works. Chris Cuomo should not be the guy who's, who knows the Constitution better in any conversation. That's never a thing. Um, in fact... Now we have the mug here. Andrew Cuomo is awful mug. Chris Cuomo is worse mug. I don't know. Is there is there room for a Don Lemon is worser? Would anyone buy that? You think? We'll have to look into that. We'll do some market research into Don Lemon is worser dot com. But as of right now, just Andrew Cuomo is awful dot com. Chris Cuomo is worse dot com. You know, this is interesting to see all these blue checks kind of come out and and just say we're going to light that thing on fire. We want to burn everything down. Uh, CNN contributors all over the place just saying they want to light the entire system on fire. They have completely given up even the appearance of trying to seem rational and fair. You know, one of the best examples when I think about this, and I think you notice this on this show. If you listen to this stupid show, if you're here every day and you're thinking, hey, uh, how many vacation weeks does that guy get? And then I come back and I'm talking yesterday about uh, the Supreme Court situation. And we go into detail on that. And we're talking about sort of hypocrisy. And yes, Democrats have massive amounts of hypocrisy on this, I think. They did say the opposite in 2016, and now they are saying uh, something else in 2020. But, you know, look, you can't say that without also acknowledging that the Republicans were against them in both circumstances. So they were also saying the opposite. Now, we gave you all the distinctions last night. We gave you the differences. I think there's a good argument as to why they're doing this. And They have to do it. They must not fail. That being said, you should at least be able to understand that, you know, there's two sides to this. Watch the coverage in the mainstream media. What they will say is Republicans are being hypocritical, period. They won't give you the history. They won't give you the differences. They won't give you the arguments. And they will not tell you that Joe Biden is on record saying the standard he now uh, opposes was the greatest idea of all time. And the um, uh, idea that he now embraces was catastrophic for our democracy. And they didn't have these distinctions. They weren't making those points. They were making broad points about you must uh, appoint a justice at any time for any reason. It's just BS. And nobody seems to care about it. And I love this idea that they're like, we're going to we're going to. You know what we're going to do? We're going to burn this system down. You can't burn it down more than you did with Kavanaugh. You, you, you accused a, uh, an innocent man of gang rape multiple times. Like, there's, no, there's nowhere else to go. Where do you go? Serial murder? I, I, genocide? He was actually responsible for Amy Coney Barrett actually was responsible for the Rwandan genocide. I guess you could go there, but there's not much more to go when you're willing to abandon the truth and assassinate someone's character like they did with Kavanaugh. There's obviously nothing you will. There's no lower than that to sink to. So uh, you can say all you want. You want to burn the system down. I just don't know where you're going from there. Um, Here is now we gave you kind of the earlier on in the show, the little uh, game show about where will the Democrats go. We're getting a preview already. One of the options was essentially she's in a religious cult. Remember that? Here we go. Mainstream media already at it. Uh, This is Reuters, by the way. 
Some have likened people of praise, a self-described charismatic Christian community, to the totalitarian male-dominated society of, a handmaid's t- of the Handmaid's Tale. By the way, People of Praise is a group that Amy Coney Barrett was reportedly but not confirmed to be a member of. It seems like she was. They don't really confirm their membership. Um, it is, uh, you know, tons of people who have dealt with this group are saying, actually, they're just, you know, they, they pray for you. They do charity work like this is not the Handmaid's Tale. Uh, but they did at one time use the word handmaids, apparently, or handmaidens, I believe. Um, they, uh, they've tried to get her on record on this. She's not responding to it. Um, they say um, uh, they've changed the name now because of The Handmaid's Tale. Like, The Handmaid's Tale got popular. Like, we can't really call ourselves handmaidens anymore, so they've stopped doing that. Um, but again, there's no evidence that it's a cult. There's no evidence that it's, it's a bad group. It seems like it's a Catholic group that helps people with things and prays a lot. So that, but again, to, you gotta have to understand to the mainstream media, someone who prays is like a lunatic, like someone who's embracing the dark arts, right? Like this is, uh, uh, this is, these are crazy people to the mainstream media. So they're gonna go down that road. It seems like that's the road they're gonna pick if it's Barrett. She's a religious extremist. She's wearing the, the red, you know, hood thing. She's, uh, she's calling herself, uh, you know, uh, she's saying, uh, uh, oh God, what is it? What do they say all the time? Does anyone know? Now I've forgotten. I haven't watched this in a while. Um, under his eye. Under his eye. Under his eye. They just say under his eye over and over and over again. And they call themselves for, um, of, of the, fa- like the, whoever the husband is. It's like of Bob. Of Bob. Off Fred. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Off Fred. That's right. Of Fred. Because women should only name themselves their, as property of their husbands. That's not at all what the group says, but that's what they're going to tell you it says, so get prepared for that. Um, uh, let me, uh, I mean, this, was, this is what they do every single time, right? This is not a new tactic. Uh, we had, Cory Gardner is running for Senate in Colorado. He did come out, by the way, and say he's going to vote for, he was one of the ones that was thought of, thought to be sort of on the bubble. Will he vote for this uh, justice to go forward? He has come out and said, oh, I want it to go forward. I want it to have a fair vote. Uh, so uh, that's good news. Uh, he, he is in a purple state. He's losing currently. Um, and But this is the tactic they use all the time. They paint you into a religious extremist. They say that every man is going to do terrible things to women. This was, if, if you remember, this was the ad. They ran against Cory Gardner when he first ran for the Senate in 2014. Listen. They're all out. Did you try the corner market? Of course. Grocery store? Sold out. Drug store? Come on. So everyone Come sold on. out of condoms. <gasps> hmm. How did this happen? I don't know. Cory Gardner banned birth control. <gasps> and now it's all on us guys. Oh my gosh. And you can't find a condom anywhere. <laughs> and the pill was just the start. The Pell Grants my little brother was counting on for college. What? Corey cut them. He did? Climate change that everyone knows is weirding our weather. Weirding? Corey flat out denies it. Weirding. Sweet is Pea, thing? Corey denies science. Come Sweet on. Pea. This guy has no idea what's going on in the real world. <gasps> Don't let Corey's world become your world. Vote by mail today or vote in person November 4th. Keep Corey Gardner out of the Senate and out of your bedroom. Paid for by NARAL Pro-Choice so, Colorado IE Committee, www.prochoicecolorado.org. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. NARAL Pro-Choice Colorado is responsible for the content of this advertising. So shockingly, that didn't work. Colorado was like, yeah, he's not going to ban birth control, you morons. And they he was elected into the Senate. He's been in the Senate now for six years. His term is coming up. He's now currently losing in a somewhat tough 
uh, environment for Republicans, and particularly in Colorado, which has really turned into a blue state. What's interesting there, though, I think, is that um, maybe he should lose his election. He did not keep his promise to ban birth control. Still out there. I think Pell Grants are still a thing, too. Do you believe this? Cory Gardner let, let us all down because you can go get condoms whenever you want them. They're all available everywhere. If you can go out to stores. If Democrats will let you out of your house, you can go get condoms. That's a Democratic guarantee. Um, let's see. What else do we have? I think this one's interesting about Ginsburg. A lot of flowery things written about Ginsburg right now in this era, as you'd expect. Um, but you're never woke enough. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not woke enough. There's a new story out in The New York Times amid the outpouring for Ginsburg, a hint of backlash. Yes, she was apparently not woke enough. She only fought for white feminism. I mean, this is how predictable is this? Only fought for white feminism. And she uh, one of the big things they're pissed off about is that when she was asked about Colin Kaepernick, she called him dumb which is the best moment of her career. Let's be honest about it. The best thing Ruth Bader Ginsburg ever did was called Colin Kaepernick dumb. That's it. That's number one on her list. Like, yeah, she fought for blah, 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 and she helped blah, 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 and she you know, made sure lots of babies weren't born. But the greatest thing she ever did was call Colin Kaepernick dumb. Now they're trying to take that away from her. I will not have it. We're going to fight for the rights of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, before we go, let me give you this one clip from uh, Joseph Robinette Biden. Senility now. As you know, you can get the T-shirt at StuDoesMerch.com, along with these wonderful uh, mugs as well. They're there. Um, do we have the clip from Joseph Robinette Biden Jr.? There are going to be no deportations in the first 100 days of my campaign. Let me get that uh, right. You are going to freeze deportations. Freeze shocked. deportations for the first 100 days. And then and only people will be deported are people who committed a felony while here. That's number one. I, OK, I lost that. Line. Yeah, well, it's, but that's good because we could we could talk to you and I on that. OK, uh, but, OK. But, so, but, but think about it. So he tries to think think about it. So let me give you a look the, the way this is kind of being seen. <laughs> this crap. Drives me. I just love it. Um, the the way it's being seen is he's saying I lost the line like he was reading something. and He lost the line. When you watch it back, I think what's happening here is he's doing an interview with like a, a Skype monitor and he's looking at the woman on there and he said she flashes off the screen and he says, oh, I lost the lady. If you watch his mouth closely, you can see him doing two syllables there. I don't think this is a legitimate senility now moment. Um, and that's why the uh, interviewer says, uh, just you and I can talk. You and I can talk. Trying to turn his attention away from that. That being said. Uh, the fact that he's saying he's not going to deport anyone for 100 days sounds completely bonkers. We'll get into that a little bit more, maybe on tomorrow's program. Back in a second. Did you watch Monday Night Football uh, last night? That's pretty big. Uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, a 2-0, beating the New Orleans Saints. Pretty big deal. Could have wanted some big cash at my bookie with that one. Uh, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce your rivals. Or, alternatively, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, it means getting paid for their losses. This is how I, when I happen to wager, and I do like to wager occasionally, I make sure that I get paid for the pain of watching the Philadelphia Eagles lose. So when the Washington Redskins, who are underdogs, come into that game, and I've got, uh, I've got money on the Redskins. So if they win, at least I get paid for it. If they lose, I don't care that I lost my wager. 
I don't mind it at all. All I care about is that the Eagles win. So I'm insane. You might not be insane, uh, but you can celebrate the return of the NFL season with my bookie, and you can invest in your intuition. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, uh, free play and to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. Uh, go to uh, MyBookie. Collect your cash. Go to MyBookie.com. Use the promo code STU today to double your first deposit. And remember, the STU code is extra important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. MyBookie.com. Use the promo code STU. Double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Look, no one ever said Alyssa Milano was smart, okay? I mean, she's not the dumbest person in the world. I mean, she's smarter than, like, an AOC, right? She's sort of between, like, AOC and a sandwich cookie. She kind of nestles right in that slot. She's not the brightest bulb. Uh, so she had a little bit of an issue. And look, when, when crime happens, even to people that aren't the most intelligent people, we need to take that seriously. And luckily, Alyssa Milano did take this particular crime seriously. Uh, gunman. Uh, was right by her. Um, now, you might know that Alyssa Milano is sort of a defund the police activist. She makes sure that uh, every time you think about those police, you know, they're going to defund them so they, they can't have their jobs anymore. So when she saw the gunman, what did she do? She, she, well, she called the police, of course. That's, that's what you do in those situations. That's why you have police. Because there's a gunman and then you want to call police. So she was pretty freaked out by this. And I can see that being legitimately terrifying, especially when she's a politically divisive figure. You never know what's going to go on. You never know. Um, you know, she's got an 8,000 square foot home worth $2.5 million in Los Angeles. Uh, the cops did come out, even though that they, she wanted to defund them. They decided to come out and uh, they did find the gunman. Um, it was a um, neighborhood teen with an air gun shooting at squirrels. So... Um, the police were able to solve that one. You probably, if, if that was the level of crime needed uh, in, in her town for police, I mean, you probably could defund them and get away with it. Also, want to give you this one one more time. Uh, Gabrielle uh, Union Wade hens, was heading up a Friends table read with an all black cast. I thought this was fantastic, um, you know, because it's always good to take, uh, just change the race of any TV show. Um, so all the Friends people, they did the table read, they did the script, but it was with black people, and it's totally acceptable, just like it would be acceptable if you had, like, a Cosby Show table read with all white people. Um, I don't know if you'd need a, to slide one rapist in there. We, we can look at that later. Uh, the Jeffersons, all white cast. Would anyone get upset if they did that? I doubt it. I don't think so. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> that one really doesn't... That would be really odd to have a white cast of that show. But I guess it would be okay. Um, how about In Living Color with an all-white cast, but then a black Jim Carrey? These are the ideas I throw out there in a spirit of racial unity for you, the viewer, the listener. Back in a second. I heart getting your reviews on, uh, on iTunes. Uh, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. This one comes in. It says the appropriate number of stars. The nerdiest of conservators deserves no less than 10 stars, but I'll uh, settle for the appropriate amount, which, by the way, 
his five freaking stars. Greetings from San Francisco, the capital of the socialist state of California. I was blind, but now I see. Whatever. And thank you. Curtis W., five freaking stars. Thank you, Curtis. The Algobots. Hal, open the iron lock. I cannot do that, Stu. Freaking whatever. We're just having play. We're, I'm acting out plays for you now during these reviews. That's how amazing this is. And thank you for five freaking stars. And waiting. This show is great. Whatever. I've been waiting for Stu to say something that pisses me off, but I forgot about it. So yeah, it's cool. But Andrew Cuomo is awful. And that's true. That's why we have these mugs. They say Andrew Cuomo is awful on them. You should get one at andrewcuomoisawful.com. We will see you tomorrow.